And so we've been talking in the last uh, three weeks, and now this is the fourth and last uh, in a message in a series on strengthening the family. And, and I, I want to finish up by just trying to speak a bit of hope and uh, perhaps, um, I don't know, just some direction on how you handle a difficult situation in our families. Because this is what I don't really understand completely. It says, why do kids of godly parents go astray? Why is that? I don't really have an answer to that, but I do know it happens. It does happen. And biblically, we understand that we've had spiritual giants in our biblical history that had kids who went astray, who followed a whole nother path. And, and just think about it. Think about it. Right from the beginning, Adam. Adam had kids that went off. And Noah, Samuel, Eli, Daniel, and even King David. We talk about King David. I mean, even he had kids who just chose to go off a different path. And we don't understand that. But it happens. Even good, godly parents have kids that go a way that um, we might have chosen differently if it were up to us. I don't know why that happens, but I want to talk to you today about, about the reality that it, it does happen and what we can do when it does happen. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about. We're, so we're going to talk about the, the parable of the, the prodigal son or the son who was lost from Luke chapter 15. It is that story that I think will help guide us. It says in Luke 15, 11, it says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. You know the rest of the story goes on, most of you will, but it's in Luke chapter 15 if you want to kind of read along. But I want to talk to you about the stages of, uh, that happen when, when, when kind of kids kind of go off track. And so moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, um, be thinking about this. Um, you, you may even think about this with friendships, or you may think about this with a spouse. Um, students, think about this on the reverse side. Where do I fit into this picture, and, and what's going on with this? Because there are, there's just stuff that happens, and, and there's kind of stages that every relationship goes through in relation to parents and their children. And so I want to just talk to you about those stages, and this is the first one. The first one is rebellion. Stage one is rebellion. Just in every parent-child relationship, there is a power struggle. There always has been, always will be. From the very beginning, parents are 100% in control. When they're little babies, you do everything for them. You feed them, you change them, you clothe them, you get them up and put them down, you do all of that kind of stuff there. You're in completely control. But as life goes through, and this is a natural thing, this is not a bad thing, but this is a natural thing, there is a shift in, in that control segment. And usually the children want control more quickly than the parents want to give it. That's just kind of the reality of how that works. It is, it is in this verse, verse 12, where it says, Father, give me my share. And, and you hear that. It's, it's just, if I, if I had my own stuff, if I could do my own thing, if I was my own boss then things would be better and things would be good. And so I'm, I'm making that choice and I'm going a different path and a different way. 
And this is the question. What do you do when, you're, when your kid's old enough and, and you can't control anymore and, you, and they just say, I'm done, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've been. I'm going my own way and doing my own thing. What, do you, what are you going to do? That's the question. In this stage, that's the question. So three things. Three things I think this passage talks to us about. First thing is this. You let him go. You let him go. Oh, by the way, as I told the first service, because of all this stuff, I can hardly see the clock, which maybe is a good thing for me, not so good for you. Um, <clears throat> I have 15 minutes to do a 30-minute message, so we're going to fly like the wind. So if you have your outline, it'll make more sense to fill it in as I go along. But really quickly, you let them go. The Bible says he set off for a distant country. And, 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 and the thing we have to see there is that the father didn't, the, didn't go out there and say, no, you can't do this kind of thing. You, you released him. You know, from birth, we're preparing our kids to let them go. And, and it's the hardest thing that a parent does is to know, when do I let my kids go? When do I say, they're adults, they're going on their own? That, that, it's, that, it's that difficult thing. And the reality is that the tighter we try to hold on to them, the more they want to bust out. And, and some of that stuff is uh, an, an interesting balancing act that we go through as parents, and it is quite a, quite a challenge. But you have to, at some point, just say, I've got to let you go. The second thing is, is you have to let them make their own mistakes. You have to let them make their own mistakes. It says that the son went off and he squandered his wealth in wild living. I would say whatever that is, but I know what that is because the father, the son, the other son tells us it's wild living with prostitutes. It's kind of the Kind of the worst debauchery you can think about, speaking of human trafficking and all the rest. He, he just let it go. At, at this point, he, this son is throwing out everything his parents have believed in, everything they've taught him, all their values, all their system. He just said, I'm done. I'm out. I don't want any of it. And as parents, you have to come to a place where you just say, I'm going to let it go. I, I've got to let them make their own mistakes. I've got to let it happen. Proverbs 20.30 says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Is this true? I mean, I know this is true because nobody changes anything in their lives until they may reach a point where they say, I've got to have something different in my life. And that's true whether you're, whether you're in a habit or whether you're in a health situation or whether whatever it is. My doctor said to me, you know, if you don't lose weight, you're gonna, I'm going to put you on insulin or something. I don't know. She's scaring the living daylights out of me. So you know what? Suddenly, I'm thinking, maybe that's a good idea. You know, in, until, you, until you reach a place where you just say, I, I'm done and I've got to do something different, it ain't happening, right? And it's the same thing with your kids in those kind of situations. And, and every single one of us know that to be an experiential fact. Until we get there, it, it just doesn't matter what people say. And you've got to let them make their own mistakes. The third thing after that is that you've got to let them reap the consequences of those choices. It says, after that, he spent, after he'd spent all he had, he began to be in need. You see, when you go through this process of rebellion, and when you go through this choice to say, I'm going my own way, there, there's always consequences that come with that. There's emotional and relational and, and physical and all those kinds of things. There are consequences which come with those things, and, and we've got to let them just happen. Verse 14 and following says, after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. And he went out and hired himself to be a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed his pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. 
but no one gave him anything to eat. He'd hit the bottom. He'd hit the bottom. He was broke and he was friendless. Empty pockets, empty life, empty stomach. And the question I ask is this. How do you think his parents felt at that point? They, they probably felt very sorry for him. You're thinking, my kid's suffering. I, I don't want to see them suffer. I don't want to see this happen. And they felt that kind of sorry. They probably felt embarrassed. What in the world is he doing? Everything we've ever uh, trained him up to be. And, and here he is, he's feeding pigs. Just think about that in that culture. Feeding pigs. This would have been so against everything that they believed in, everything that they'd been raised with. And here he is. That's what he does. And the parents probably also felt a sense of condemnation. Where did we go wrong? Moms and dads ask that a lot. Where did we go wrong? What did we do? And the fact is that all of us make mistakes. All of us goof things up. And and parents, we've all done that. If you were honest with yourself, we'd all say, you know, there are things I've said or done that I wish I wouldn't have said or done. But I'll also tell you this, parents. You are not the only influence in your child's life. And kids, you guys know that. Uh, You're exposed to all kinds of stuff. And you make choices about that stuff all the time. And, And parents, you need to understand that. Kids make choices. They have friends you don't control. There are media that you don't control. There's teachers that you don't control. And, and, and I just got to tell you, parents, this is really, this message is hope for families. And I got to tell you, it's not all about you and the mistakes that you've made. Part of it is, I'll fess up to that one, it's not all about us. Kids make choices. Just think about the stuff that you got into. Everybody, you know, all you adults in here, parents types, think about the stuff you got into. Was it your parents' fault? Absolutely, yeah, right. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. No, no, that's not true. No, it, 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 it's, it's us. I mean, we, we make choices. You made choices. And, and, and that's kind of the reality of what happens. We, we live in those kinds of realms. But parents, I want you to understand this. Your responsibility is limited to what you have control over. Can I just say that? When your kids have moved out and gone their own way, um, they're making choices. This is not about, you know, dealing with your little kids. But but when, when kids make that choice, you just let it go. Because guess what? There has only been one perfect father, right? We talked about this last week. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Only one perfect father. Has he ever had any children that rebelled? Oh, yeah. So if God, who is the perfect father, has had children who rebelled and went their own way and made their own choices, guess what? You very likely are going to have some of those issues in your own family. And we need to be gracious with ourselves as well. Honest but gracious as well as a parent. Second stage is this, is reevaluation. 
It says, when he had come to his senses, it says, how many, he said, how many of my father's, excuse me, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? It says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Interesting to notice the change. At the very beginning, he says, give me what is mine. At the end, he says, make me like one of your hired men. It's a different change of heart, a change of attitude. Something's going on that's different. He's asked the questions, what am I doing? I've made a mess of my life. Here I am slopping hogs. I've lost all my money and all. I don't have any food. I've lost my friends. I don't have anything. And until the one who has gone astray, be that a child or an adult, a spouse, a parent, a sibling, until they come to that place, nothing's going to change. Well, what do you do? What do you do as a parent, as a a friend, as a, a loved one who's on the edges of this? What do you do until that time? Three things I want to just tell you really quick. First one is this. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. It may seem like this is just a control issue. It may seem like they're just saying, well, I don't want to be under your authority anymore, and I don't want to. It's it's not just that. There is a battle going on that is a spiritual battle that's happening. And and I just got to tell you, parents, don't always take it personally. And I, I struggle with this with myself. Don't always take it personally. There is a spiritual battle going on in those things. It's not always just about you and your parenting skills or lack thereof. Um, There is a battle going on. So pray, pray, pray for your kids. The second thing is this. Commit them to God. You know, we, we come and typically, historically in the life of the church, we come and we dedicate our children when they're little babies or some of you baptized your kids when they were babies or whatever. You, you come early in life and many times after and we say, God, here they are. They're your kids. I, I want to do all I can to raise them up to love you and to follow you and be who you want them to be. I give them to you. And I got to just tell you, when you're in this phase, you just got to say that all over again. You got to mean that all over. You got to do that all over again. God, here they are. I commit them to you and to your good care. I don't have control over what they say or what they do or where they're going or what's happening in their lives. But God, I give them into your hands and I pray, God, do your thing. Because I can't. And the third part, and that's the hard part, is just wait patiently. You got to wait patiently. Sometimes it's a long wait. Sometimes it's not so long a wait. I don't know what my parents were thinking when I went off to college. I was not walking with the Lord. I'd grown up in the church. I, you know, I just said, I don't need the church. I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. I don't, have, I don't need this. But they just kept praying, God, or David, we're praying for you. We're praying for you as you go. That's all they just keep telling me. I'm, we're praying for you that good things are going to happen in your life. We're praying for you. And I said, you know, I don't care, you know, whatever. And I went off to college, and I was going out to do my own thing, and I went off and did that. And, and, and it, 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 I didn't change until I got confronted with the character that I was on the inside and not who I was on the outside, that it wasn't about how I lived my life because I lived my life like most Christians would hope to live. I would just kind of did that. But, 
But there was ugliness within me that that wasn't ever going to happen until God just showed me how ugly it really was. And that changed my life. But I'm thankful it didn't take a long time. For some it takes years and it takes heartache and horrible kinds of things to happen. But, but until then, we just have to wait and let life, circumstance, and stuff just happen in their lives. Because until those consequences come, there will not be a lasting transformational change in them. So we wait. The third stage is this, is the return. Uh, Eventually, we pray and believe that there will be a return. There is not always a return, but we pray that there would be. In in this account, we understand that there was. It says, verse 20, so he got up and went back to his father's house. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, in in this story, when when there is a return, there there are some critical things that we've got to be prepared for. Let me just share with three things. The first one is just this. You've got to love them faithfully. It says that his father was filled with compassion. No matter how far your son or daughter has fallen, no matter what they've done or where they've gone or how long that door or how long they've been away and how long you've had to wait, that door just has to be open. Open for you to love on them. Open for you to be invested in their life. Open to reconcile. Open to have that relationship. You love them faithfully. You don't give up on them. And you don't bail them out before they get to that place. You just let life come until they get there. When they get there, you love on them like never before. Second thing is this, you accept them unconditionally. It says he ran out and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Amazing demonstration of acceptance. Open arms. Didn't wait for his son to get home. Well, you need a shower, son. You've been out with the pigs. You need to go get a shower. You need to go get cleansed. You need to, you need to get your act together. And when you get it all together and you get changed up, then, hey, let's have a party. We'll have a good time. He didn't do any of that. He just came out to him. He says, you're here and I love you and I throw my arms around you and I'm kissing on you. Pretty amazing kind of thing. Unconditional love and acceptance. That's the way the Father acts with us. I don't know about you and, and where you are in this process as parents or grandparents or whatever, but sometimes we ask the question and it's very hard to answer, how can I accept my kid without lowering my standard? Anybody ever ask that question? That, that is the big question of the day. How, how do I accept someone with not buying into their lifestyle without buying into all that stuff. But the reality is is that you can, and we do it all the time, or we need to be doing it all the time. In fact, Jesus was doing that all the time. He hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes and you know all the, all the people that the regular establishment religious circle said, oh, how can you be with those people? And how can you touch those people? And how can you be around those people? Jesus did it all the time. 
But we would be naive if we thought he was doing that and was saying, oh yeah, it's good, keep on being a prostitute, that's okay, that's good. We'd be naive if he said, oh yeah, that's fine, go ahead and keep on cheating people. He didn't do that. He just loved on them and people went, I can't continue to live like this and experience this kind of love and change their lives. Just say this. You can accept a child in rebellion and not approve of their lifestyle. Not easy. But we got to do that. We got to figure out how to do that. Third thing is this you've got to forgive them completely. When they come home, when they get to that spot, you've got to forgive them completely. Verse 22 says, But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son who was dead is now alive and he was lost but is now found. So they began to celebrate. See, God doesn't rub it in, he rubs it out. The father doesn't say, well, I knew this was going to happen. I knew you were going to waste your life. And finally, I got... Now, God doesn't do that kind of stuff. When the son comes home, he doesn't need another sermon. Life has already given him a sermon. And instead of rubbing it in, he gave him a second chance. See, that, that whole business, that robe business, that, that's him saying, you are part of the family. That, that's a family... You know, I, I guess if that was Colin, we'd say that that's your family colors, whatever. Tart, what is it? Tartan. They're your family tartan. That, that, I mean, he's putting that stuff on and saying, you are a part of our clan. You are a part of our family. And he gives him a ring, and he says, that's probably a signet kind of ring that says, I'm giving you a ring of authority within our family. And that, that believe it or not, that's like saying to somebody, I know, I, I know you've taken half of everything I have and have spent it foolishly and wasted it all, but oh, by the way, here's the credit card. I trust you that much. This was not just kind of a welcome back to the family hangout. This was... I accept you completely, totally. See, this story has a happy ending. The son came home. Father did everything right. In his grief, the father watched him as the son hurt both the family and himself, watched him make mistakes and reap the result. He prayed and he waited. And he committed. When the Sam came back, he loved him and accepted him unconditionally and forgave him completely. Happy ending. Not every story has a happy ending. Not every story has a happy ending. And some of us are here and Kind of the story is still waiting for a conclusion in some of your family's lives. You don't know how it's going to end up with your kids. 
See, some of us, we live in a place where your kids are breaking your heart. Maybe they've rejected everything that you've ever stood for and everything that you've held dear. They've rejected your values. They've rejected your God. And they've hurt you deeply. Could I just say to myself and you, God understands that. He understands that process. He knows how you feel. He knows what you're experiencing. And until that going from stage one to stage three, the painful part of that process is stage two. When your kids are away, when your kids are drifting, and you pray, and you commit, and you wait. Inside your bulletin, there's a little card, a little strengthening your family card. And it's just one little word. It just says, give them to God. And, and you may, we're going through all this process, and you'll see some already left cards here. You may have kids who are out there. You may have a sibling that's out there. You may be one of those. <laughs> God has not given up on any of us. We give them to God. My first memorable trip to the altar as a little kid was for my brother. I got saved the first time there, first of many times. I went to the altar weeping for my brother. Because even as a little kid, I knew that my brother, who was six years older than I was, was in a world of hurt. And he grew up in the same house that I did, grew up in the same church that I grew up in, heard the same stuff that I heard. And he just, he just went off another way. Hated God, hated the church. Didn't want anything to do with that stuff. And I'm a little kid saying, God, can't you do something for my brother? I'm still praying. And he's come a long way back around. But I'm still praying. And so I just say to you, parents, siblings, grandparents, spouses, it happens and just, it happens all the time. It's the same principle, folks. When people who have been raised one way and understand one way of thinking suddenly just go off and seem to turn on everything that they ever saw, said they believed in. Same kind of stuff. And we're in the middle. We're in that stage too. 
where you don't have a lot of control. Things have been forced on you. Kids have walked away. Stuff has happened. Pray, commit, and wait. I want to pray for us this morning, and we're going to maybe sing a song. And if you'd like to just uh, one more time give them, as you have so many times already, give them to God, commit them to God one more time. I want to invite you just to, you don't have to put your name on this. I'm, I'm not going to do anything with these. This is just a way for you to kind of symbolically say, God, one more time, here is my child. One more time, here is my brother or sister. One more time, here's my spouse. One more time, here's my grandkid. God, I'm committing them to you and I'm going to wait till that day. Would you pray with me? Father, into your hands do we give our families. Lord, as uh, moms and dads, as grandmas and grandpas, as spouses, as siblings, Lord, we, we do our best to live a life before you that is winsome, an old word, a life that is compelling and attractive. And yet, sometimes those nearest to us choose to go a different path. Lord, uh, it breaks our hearts and we don't understand it. But Lord, we give them to you. This, this pile of names on this communion table, Lord, I pray over them one more time. For those that are filling out cards even now, Lord, those names are precious to us and precious to you. <coughs> Lord, we commit them into your good care. And we promise, Lord. Lord, if they turn back, we're going to love on them, accept them, and Lord, forgive them completely. But until that day comes, Lord, we give them to you. So Lord, all those names that are in our hearts and minds right now, we give them to you. Have your way done in them. Draw them to yourself. Pray in Jesus' name.